Man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you got to have great tasting food. You got to have great tasting beverages, packaged goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge. Go back, pick out some brands and CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week Stay tuned for this week's episode. Mr. Kovacs, you are back and you have another really interesting brand that you brought with you again today. You're just like like Santa, you know, like a bag full of brands. You just keep bringing in, sharing all these treats. Well, I think uh, the, the biggest thing is the people behind them, which I think is just as interesting. And, you know, I, I think this is... Um, Someone I've wanted to get on here for a while, and I think uh, introducing Corey Blick and uh, being able to tell his story. You know, I, we've worked with together for a number of years. I won't go into the amount, but you know, I, I think it's something that's always interesting when you see when uh, you know smart people come in with uh, new brands that are able to really uh, innovate and disrupt. So that's why I wanted to bring Corey to the table and tell us his uh, story as well as enlighten everyone on the world of Manuka. Hey, Corey. Hey Tony, thanks for the intro, Matt. Uh, very kind of you, and I'm uh, I'm thrilled to be here with you too. What's the origin of Comvita? It's pretty unique because uh, we're talking about honey and bees. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, I would love to tell that story. It's it's one of the richest ones uh, I know of in the natural products um, sort of category. So, you know. Um, I'll, I'll tell the Convita story and then how I came into it and sort of what's happened since. But uh, the Convita heritage, so the company's been around since 1974. We've been beekeeping for nearly 50 years now. 
Uh, it's out of New Zealand, uh, where the Manuka flower grows indigenously. And it's really an interesting, um, you know, a story of how these things get going. I mean, most people just think product on the shelf and the branding and so forth. But this started, you know, not really as a business. Um, and so we had two co-founders, uh, Alan Baugen, uh, alive and well uh, today, and Claude Stratford, uh, who was uh, lived till, till his, almost his 103rd birthday. And interestingly, these two met at 40 years apart. So Alan, 25, Claude, 65. And they just had this kinship for, for bees and food as medicine. But prior to that, Alan, um, who's, who's such an interesting guy, uh, really core value uh, spirit for the company. Uh, but he was kind of cruising around early 20s, uh, referred to as a hippie nomadic surfer. Uh, he spent time in San Diego. He he spent a few days uh, out in Morocco, uh, hanging out with Jim Morrison. I'm sure having a good time there. And you know he was really you mean from nature. the Doors. <laughs> That's that that one. Yep. Wow, that's uh, a cool story. <laughs> he's been around. So um, he had a lot of inspiration. Was really clued into nature. So he moved back to New Zealand. Uh, was working on some sort of a farm or a ranch had a real interest in beekeeping. Uh, he saw a, a horse uh, run through a barbed wire fence, badly injured, you know, legs shredded up. And over the course of the next couple of days, he saw someone applying a honey to the horse's leg and had a really incredible uh, recovery and, and healed the horse's leg. So Alan naturally was curious and went over and saw this sort of uh, pot of honey all it had was an address on it and so what do you do in 1974 you write a letter right and you expect to you know it'll take a week or two to get there he gets a letter back and it says dear alan you could be the answer to our prayers come quickly <laughs> so that's from claude so alan and his wife linda wonderful lady uh they go meet with claude and claude was sort of this mad scientist beekeeper and you know, working all these different formulas and bee pollen and you name it. After a half an hour of a cornbread meeting in, uh, in Claude's little hut, uh, they formed a partnership and Convita was born. And from there, uh, about the first 10 years or so, it was really a sort of a co-op. They had a store, it was called Convita Laboratories, and really about around, you know, bee products and, and improving people's health. And so they were sort of, you know, just a local group uh, of, of Kiwis getting together and discovering these products, trying new stuff out. And then word kept growing and growing and growing. And at such point, they took Comvita and packaged it and started shipping internationally. So the first few markets being uh, Japan, the UK, and I believe the US shortly thereafter. So first Manuka Honey brand to be exported out of New Zealand to the world. What well, has this element, and when you look deeper in Manuka, it almost feels like the um, something out of Lord of the Rings with this. Uh, it has so many you know, abilities and saving and you know, as health benefits. It's just an interesting element then to be able to go and market and, and tell that story. Yeah, it's it's um, you know it grows down there. It's really rare. So it only the Manuka flower of the Manuka tree 
blooms two to six weeks a year. So that's where the bees go get the nectar from this flower, bring it back to the hive, and you know, sort of manuka honey uh, comes out of the hive. But if you look back to when they started, manuka honey wasn't really a thing, and um, you know, they just continued to uncover research of its health benefits. Uh, and then later on in its life, probably more in the 80s, uh, Manuka honey was really discovered as this really medicinal therapeutic product. Uh, and so it's really used, um, the core of it is around its antibacterial powers, uh, also has other uh, health benefits associated with it as a whole. Um, so it's really, you know, that more medicinal honey. And what we've seen is the the Asian markets and the UK markets were sort of early adopters of this. And, you know, as we know, most natural health product trends start out of the US and kind of incubate here and then get spread to the world. We're actually a late adopter on Manuka honey, which is uh, sort of the challenge and the opportunity. I had never heard of Manuka honey, and I pride myself of knowing of most, um, you know, healthy natural ingredient trends. And so the whole thing was a little obscure to me, but as I kept sort of peeling back the uh, layers of the onion, both on the product, the category, and the people, and I discovered what wonderful people um, uh, the Kiwis were, uh, I, I became more drawn to it. And then I met Alan at Expo West, uh, March 2016, and you know he's just such a such an inspirational uh, character that I decided to uh, to give it a shot. When you look at the um, aspects of being late to the game, what are some things, you know, especially when, you know, going to retailers, buyers, how do you bring that to life where people think, oh, honey is just honey? Yeah, it's, uh, I'd say it's somewhat of a challenge. Um, you know, people view honey um, as being health beneficial at the same time, a whole lot of honey, uh, you know, probably about a billion dollars of it is just uh, imported honey in the honey bear. Um, you look at honey as one of the top three counterfeited foods in the world. Uh, so there's, you know, the more discerning, you know, consumer or retail buyer, you know, really has to do their homework in terms of origin and quality. Now, Manuka has emerged over the last few years as really this premium uh, product that's, uh, you know, in a class of superfoods, functional foods, whereby, you know, it's more than just a tasty uh, sugar sweetener. Uh, it's really delivering some health benefits. So, you know, I feel like that is nicely in line with, you know, where the consumer is going, which is people want more from their foods and beverages in terms of health benefits but nobody wants to sacrifice taste, right? And so we're kind of in the, in the center of that intersection. So, but how are you specifically, you know, marketing to the consumer? I think that's what's kind of fascinating is that you, you truly have a different, better and special product. Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of straddle that line between how much do you have to educate? How much money do you have to put into gaining new customers? Uh, that's what's, uh, I think, kind of interesting here too. Yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, I've viewed our U.S. Um, 
arm of the business as it's kind of like a 50 year old startup. And if you take that approach to it, you know, that's been successful for us. So we, we, in terms of the U S a brand, cause we're not the only brand of Manuka honey here. Uh, there've been some others that came out and had about a, a 10 year head start on Comvita. So we're actually more of the challenger. Um, but what we have to rely on in terms of the marketing message, we're the pioneer of the category. We're the trusted global leader. We have the only in-house accredited lab of Manuka honey. Um, and we're able to bring more sort of marketing horsepower and, you know, that, that thought leadership to the table. I thought you were uh, going to say B power, but I, <laughs> we'll, we'll let that go. Missed Exp- it. I, well, that's all right. I'm the corn dog of the group. Um, you, you just touched on something, uh, lab certified. What is that? So, uh, New Zealand has, um, sort of a governing body called IANZ. And so we have all the credentials of our own in-house lab, which is really, you know, industry leading whereby they have allowed us to determine our own monofloral or multifloral Manuka honey, which is a classification that the government gives, as well as the the rating and the level of potency of the Manuka honey versus, you know, sort of the, the competitive field all has to have it, you know, go through a third party. So we're really, you know, ahead of the curve in terms of that uh, investment. And, you know, we've been at this for several decades to really be the market leader. So you mean people actually counterfeit and try to make claims that aren't true? Um, I'm not going <laughs> to make mean, too many allegations today, but there's <laughs> well, I don't mean it's more it's rhetorical because if something is successful, then other people will try to you know emulate that, and because this is such a rarity, right? Just from New Zealand, it's in bloom for how long? Four weeks? Uh, yeah, only a few weeks. So it's been a real pain point. And just as like a consumer advocacy, you go to a retailer, for example, they might be carrying some stuff on the shelf and you're like, hey, we really have the highest quality here and here's the evidence to show it. And sometimes you still don't get get the yes. And so what happened was as Manuka was really taking off you know, especially sort of the last five, six years, a lot of brands were, you know, capitalizing on the opportunity, right? This stuff costs 20 to $50 and some of it up to, you know, $130, $150. And so what a few companies were doing was taking honey out of New Zealand. It may or may not have been Manuka honey and labeling it as such. And so 2018, uh, the New Zealand government or Ministry of Prime Industries came in and set some new regulations for what could be labeled as a monofloral manuka honey and a multifloral manuka honey. And so that sort of raised uh, the stakes in terms of the Wild West and setting a new sort of baseline standard, which I think was good for the industry. So when you look at this, and, and again, you're, you're the, you guys are the leaders, but how did you get from you know new new guy in the market all the way through scaling uh, now? Because obviously, I see the brand in, in many more places than uh, back in the day. But it'd be great to hear some of those key learnings. You know, first off, it takes a whole lot of hard work. It takes a, a, a talented team that's 
done it before or is willing to to do it for the first time. And we've been able to build that. Now, we started just direct to consumer in Amazon, which I think has been a very popular place for you know, new food and beverage brands to start and incubate. And I would actually encourage that uh, quite a bit. So you get your learnings online before you're out in retail and burning through a bunch of cash to figure out what's working and not working. Um, So we did that. And then we were able to land a uh, largest club retailer in the U.S. or globally. Uh, And you could guess who that is. Uh, So we launched there in um, several of their U.S. regions in Canada. And that really put uh, Manuka Honey on the map in that we had, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not a few million people uh, trying Manuka Honey for the first time in the U.S. Uh, So you really, you know, you can't buy that sort of um, paid sample, right? And it was uh, really a great launch vehicle for us to go then build the rest of the business uh, around it. When you go to traditional retailers now, is it the um, uh, the um, honey buyer or is it like the, me- you know, are you in the medical side? I guess, who, who are you speaking to? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because it, probably two thirds, maybe three quarters are a grocery or a sweetener slash honey buyer. And, um, that's where the foot traffic is in most stores. And then the balance of it would be in kind of that HBC wellness set. And so we want to be in wellness because that's where a lot of that assisted sale and people come in and say, Hey, I've got a sore throat or I've got GI issues. What should I try? And if that person in the store is educated, they might point them towards us, right? In the honey aisle, you're there with, you know, five, seven, $10 products, and then you're you're sort of sticking out of hey what's this expensive stuff you know if if you're not familiar with the category so most of it's over there um, but it's also a challenge in that you know as you say that the honey buyer they're not familiar with all these technical terms and what the difference makers are within manuka honey so that's sort of our job to go do that education with them. Well, and I think you can get some lift just because there is such a push right now for food as medicine. And I don't know that I'm really seeing that in the grocery stores per se. It's, it is in the, on that kind of health aisle. But perhaps as that category continues to expand, you can kind of ride that that wave with it. Yeah, I, I think it's got a long ways to go. Um, and, and I think we're really well positioned for that. You know, again, being the, the, the trusted leader and we've got all the certifications and the backing uh, for consumers really to believe in what we're doing. And then I think more important, well, not necessarily more important, but very important is not just the quality of the product, but what's our purpose? What's our mission? How are we giving back as a company? And what are we doing you know, for people and planet? And you know, taking this to the next, you know, kind of topic in my mind of where we also think Convita is really, um, you know, breaking new ground and leading, not just in Manuka honey, but we want to think, um, you know, for, for, for not just natural products as well. And that is, you know, our purpose in getting that through, you know, what is that and how are we connecting with people's values? 
and we want our values to really be known. I think the other thing, not pivoting away from uh, Manuka, but back to yourself, when you look at your track record of experience, you have these um, uh, moments where you're dealing with brain health and you have you know, energy health and you know, just your perspective. How do you keep it all going you know, in that point from scaling, you know, learning about the brands, learning in all these different uh, disciplines, if you will? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've always, you know, personally wanted to be associated with with leading edge products that help people's health and or performance. And Manuka Honey, you know, I've done a lot in the sort of the sports nutrition area and, and other energy uh, products. But Manuka Honey is interesting because you're addressing, you know, more health conditions being Gut health, upper respiratory, uh, cold cough, and and skin care as well. Um, so that's really motivating when you hear feedback from consumers of, you know, the product that we're working as a business to really get out to consumers' hands is what they're what they're experiencing and and how it's impacting their health and their lives. So, you know, I think that you know keeps me motivated. I think it keeps our team motivated to know that, you know, we're really doing good with our work. Well, and it's important, as you said, for your team to be passionate about what you're doing. It's a very tight labor market. And it's something that I deal with quite a bit with clients that are trying to hire and attract people. If you can't get your company culture out there, if people are not educated, if you can't raise awareness with the population of people that you want to work either with you or for you, it's very difficult, you know, and I think from what I'm hearing is that y'all are doing a good job kind of establishing that. And then it helps you attract other people who are passionate. I mean, it worked with you essentially, right? I mean, it, it did attract you because you have these, you know, kind of deeper desires to um, to do good for others and not just simply be focused on on business. And I think we're seeing a whole new wave of workers that want that. I think you look at the great resignation. I think a lot of those people were just kind of fed up with just work for work. You know, they wanted to find something more experiential. And when you've got a product that um, provides, you know, benefits, you know, the plus, 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 it just, it has a ripple effect. Yeah, Tony, you know, you're, you're, you're an expert in the um, sort of people and attraction part of this business. And that's something that, you know, I think over the years we've learned and adapted that, you know, it's not just a business and, and, and numbers and distribution and all of that, right? So we, we need to be purpose-led at our core. And then you want to be a good company, a good employer, uh, and be able to attract people to, you know, a growth story. Um, you're not going to be out of business next month. Um, and you've got some momentum uh, in the market and, and as a team, you know, and it's, it's hard to put your finger on or measure that. Um, but we've experienced, you know, versus several years ago where I'm like begging people to join the company and, you know, telling them uh, a deep story about us is now we're getting, you know, a lot of really, really top talent uh, candidates that that want to join and help move this forward. Well, what haven't we touched on with your illustrious career? I mean, we did. We could talk about basketball for a little bit too. Do you want to just talk about your uh, average every year? 
Uh, well, <laughs> wait, you've got I a basketball background? Basketball, but uh, that was a good run there at Westmont College, a little NAI school. We had some some great teams, and uh, my coaches were outstanding, still friends, and uh, really a close knit of uh, hardworking guys. So hopefully that did something to uh, to prepare me for for business. Um, some of those disciplines I learned there and, you know, as, uh, someone at this age, all you can do is, is, is hope to get out and play pickleball a couple times a week. So, <laughs> oh, geez, another pickleball. <laughs> that's right. Hey, go. I was in early. Dink donk, dink donk, dink donk. I'm like, okay, you can hear pickleball echoing everywhere. <laughs> it is, it is totally taken off. Um, I don't know how to segue from pickleball and basketball <laughs> to, um, innovation, R&D, new products, brand extensions. I just see this honey as um, as like a base, you know, that so many things can be done with. So how do you guys balance, you know, people like me that come with all the ideas, you know, to filter out these are viable, uh, good innovation pipelines uh, for that marketplace going forward? Yeah, we're, we're right in the crux of that. And, you know, Manuka honey in a jar, you can go, you know, find a couple dozen different, different brands that do this. Uh, we think we do it the best, but as it's this multitasking, multifunctional product, you're dead right. And how, how do people want to consume it and where can we expand? Um, so, you know, a couple areas we've done. Well, first we were the, the, the pioneer of, uh, we created Medi Honey, and that is a topical wound care and skin care line. And that goes through hospitals and wound care clinics. Um, that's used, you know, really for cuts, burns, and, and wounds, and it's very effective. And so that's an interesting area for us around that functional skin care space, um, as we've seen you know, some brands get in on the trend and they might just put do the, the pixie dust sprinkle and claim Manuka honey when it's, you know, the seventh ingredient in their, their skincare line. But we're, uh, we're, you know, attuned to that and looking at what the future might hold, as well as we've launched a, um, a really nice kids line uh, with uh, sort of cough syrups as the base, knowing that Manuka honey uh, really has a, a profound effect on cold and cough and added some other functional ingredients to that. So those are just a couple areas um, we've touched on and are looking as, you know, how do we make this really a, a staple uh, for households, you know, inside and outside of the outside of the jar? Yeah, and I think there's the uh, extensions into sports as well. Going back to your basketball days, you know, everyone's looking for that uh, that after uh, after workout performance. You know, I I know as a cyclist, a lot of times you go to the, the the cycle shop and you're looking for things to take out on your long rides, and they have these they they look like little honeycombs. I don't know what they're made out of, but they're kind of interesting. So I mean, I, there's I guess the sky's the limit with what y'all could get into. It is. It's exciting. It's dizzying, and it can be very distracting of how many good ideas there are. That's out what there. I exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is like, how do you, you know? I guess you have to look at uh, just the size of those categories. You know, who are the competitors? How much money does it take to get in? Um, and of course, you just want your your core product to be uh, healthy, of course. 
Exactly. So we're uh, we're thinking about that on a daily basis of what's that product roadmap. Where does it make sense to uh, to enter into other categories? Um, as some of them could be small and difficult, and some of them, you know, could have real scale behind them. So you guys are DTC. Are you still on D? Are you still DTC Amazon? Uh, and, yes, very uh, much so. And Club, as you mentioned. Um, any other channels that people can find you guys? Yeah, the you know natural health channel, and I would call it a premium grocery channel. Um, we've made really good inroads there, and so you know here in California, for example, we're in the Bristol Farms and Gelson's and Lazy Acres and those you know really higher end um, uh, stores where people can go discover or pick up Manuka honey if you're not ready to order online. So. You know, that's that that's a key area for us to continue to uh to expand and uh we're, we're getting really nice traction we're actually the fastest growing brand in the natural channel right now uh so i've had really nice momentum matt i know you always have these real pithy you know questions you like to ask people are you prepared are, are you I gonna am. yeah let's okay, I'll, i knew I, it i, I, I knew it good because Corey is such an interesting person so Corey. <laughs> What is the uh, best thing you purchased uh, with the, with $100, the last thing? $100. Don't say Manuka, honey. Yeah, don't say Manuka. Your, la- a, your last a, best $100 a, you spent on something. A pair of on-running shoes. All right, that's good. I really like that brand. Wait, say the brand again? On, O-N, on-running. I'll have to check that out. What's one thing you do over and over again and you'd recommend to everyone else? Matt, these are tough questions. I know. I, and, and, and we're just going to we're just going li- to sit here and No, no, there's no edit. No, no, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. There's no edit. This is this is real life. You know, I'm not that routine and and that's probably not in my favor. But uh, I sort of take every day and, and, and look at it a little bit differently and sort of adapt and adjust, you know, what I need to do. That sounds like a punt. That sounds like a total it's punt. It's a total punt. <laughs> I mean, you, you had the open shot and you passed. Hey, everyone's <laughs> got their routines. I'm just saying. I'm not His routine. routine is that he has no routine. Yes. yes. Got it. So your answer really is be spontaneous. Every day is day one. <laughs> there we go. We bailed him out. What you got to nice. do more, Matt? That's good. I love watching them squirm. <laughs> What's uh, tell us something that's true that no one agrees with you on? <laughs> <laughs> Pass. Oh <laughs> man, that's a good one. Holy smokes, that is a that could be a bombshell. I know. I was ready for something. It could have been about. What about you, Matt? What do you believe? What do you? Well, how about you? What do you think? Um, yeah, I'm not in the mindset to answer questions. Come on, uh, see, look, I'm on see, the side. see, you, that's it. Um, oh gosh, I'm in Georgia. I can tell you. I could tell you so many things. There is so much going on in Georgia right now on both sides of the aisle with election integrity. I could just say that. That's right. a that'll blow up. That that just blows people up. Um, oh all right, Matt. God. So far, you've got your one. We're we're batting a th- a third here. Be in the Hall of Fame. 
Tony Gwynn. I think we quit there. Yeah. Tony Gwynn. So um, I'm on a tough date, Matt. I mean, geez. This is exactly. That was. He's, yes, exactly. Just, you thought your meal was paid for, and all of a sudden he's taking you Dutch. Um, <laughs> we didn't get in much to this, but I, I would, before we go, is can you tell us any trends that are happening in bees? I feel remiss if I just didn't. Yeah, ask I was a just little bit there, there as we kind of close. Yeah, it's look, bees are really, really important to all of us. So they account for pollinating about two thirds of fruits and vegetables. And bees are now an endangered species. Bee colony collapse in the U.S. is around 50%. Canada, I think, is north of 70 So it's a real issue. I don't think it's getting appropriate um, uh, attention. And that's not just because I work for a honey company. It, it's, Corey, that it's, should have been your answer to number two. Yes. We have a problem with bees. Can Dang you it. edit that back? Let's edit that back. <laughs> <laughs> So it's really an issue, right? And people aren't paying attention. And so what do we do as a company? Because um, New Zealand, the, the colony collapse is minimal, um, sort of single digits. But if we're not careful and you overwork these bees, um, you know, we're going to have some real problems uh, for the future. And so they're really an intelligent um, species. And what we've done and I was like really front and center on this as uh, so March 2020, COVID was just sort of rolling out. We're all trying to figure figure out what was going on. So Alan was up here for Expo West. Uh, we had some some media things uh, pending and he wanted to come anyways. And Expo West got called off, as you know. And we were we were talking with a a beekeeper. Uh, Hillary, who's wrote written books, Queen Spotting, and she had kind of big following um, on, on her social, and called up and said, "Hey, we're doing a bee rescue on Saturday. If you guys want to come down and help." And so we brought a film crew. Alan was there. I was there in my beekeeper suit, you know, very very scared. And um, Alan, at you know late sixties, and Hillary at thirty, kind of felt like the Alan Claude generational gap, but they're so connected by bees and they totally get it. speak the same language. So we spent all day um, rescuing a beehive from someone's backyard and, and it was the coolest experience. And we created a video called Hive Mindfully uh, out of it, which is on YouTube. And it was all about rescuing this hive uh, as opposed to exterminating a hive and what we followed up and did, so World Bee Day, uh, which we've turned into World Bee Month, which is every May, we pledged to save 5 million bees uh, last year, 2021. And we worked with beekeepers around the U.S. to do that. This year, we doubled that and pledged to save 10 million bees uh, and work with those beekeepers and to fund those efforts. We've actually saved over 12 million bees, so we've eclipsed our goal. And, you know, that's just something we're doing here amongst many projects to really have an impact um, and and help spread the message and, and raise that awareness around bees. And let's let's rescue them. Let's not exterminate them and, um, and and really look out for the for the planet. Wow. Now, that is 
very different and it is so needed. I saw the movie uh, Pollinators and that's what really kind of opened my eyes to the, the problem with these uh, collapsing colonies. And I'm curious, just I wonder how much, you know, an individual can do or a family can do to help the situation. Um, is there a big push out there for people to, you know, start a beehive on their property, you know, where they can? Is that is that like a practical thing to do? I think that's a really good thing to do. Um, there are, I think, around seven or eight states where there are no bees remaining. So as what? you don't live in one of those states, yeah, look it up. That, that's one of the little known facts I should have answered before. Um, is um, Seven or eight states have no bees? That's right. Number might be higher. I might be on the low end. Um, I mean, so how real, how do things get concern. pollinated? I don't get that. That just is. But, and so okay. we, we're all about planting gardens and attracting bees and creating that ecosystem. So that would be one encouragement. And the second one is if you see a hive of bees in a place where they're unwanted is to call your local beekeeper or bee rescuer, not the exterminator. So many interesting things here that people can do to, um, it, to obviously support you guys and support this cause. I'll, it, make sure you get that information to me and I'll get it in the show notes so we can have you know, easy access for people to kind of plug into this movement if they want to you know, get involved in, in some way. Corey, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing the, the Convita story and, and kind of really kind of pulling the curtains back a little bit on this Manuka Honey, it is, um, it's a premium product, it's very unique, and uh, people can go to, you know, Amazon or look in their, you know, favorite club chain and they can find it, find it there or one of your high-end uh, natural stores. That's right, Convita.com and Amazon.com slash Convita, you'll see our full offering there. And, um, you know, I just want to, you know, finish with what our purpose is, which is working in harmony with bees and nature to heal and protect the world. And uh, it's a lofty statement, uh, but everything we could do to, uh, you know, advance that is, is something that uh, we at Confita feel really good about. Well, you should. And that's a that's a good cause to to uh, attract people in. So uh, best of best of luck to you guys. Thanks so much, Tony and Matt. This is a this is a fun hour. And uh Look forward to chatting again soon. You bet. Hey, thank you, Corey. It was great to have you on and learn more about Manuka Honey and also the plight of the bees. Have a good one.